time of the year, and we've got some more pro wrestling punditry for your ear holes. It is me, the managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back to host the latest episode of The Winkly, and I am joined here, as I am just about every Wednesday, by my good friend Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to The Winkly. Uh, that Winkly train just keeps on rolling. Yeah, dude. How much are you enjoying this train that we're on right now? See what I did there? There's a Godfather. I reference. did. It's good. It's good. It's a good time. Podcasting uh, ain't easy. I had to. I got. I had to get up early today to do a big interview, right? And so I'm a little. I'm always a little goofier when I've been talking for a little while, and I had to wake up early for these shows. But I'm very pleased to tell you that this interview I did this morning, we're going to air on the show today. It is brand new it is going to play after uh the news you can use segment here in just a second it is with the brand new impact wrestling world heavyweight champion the draw sammy callahan on the show here today of course sammy won that title last night on impact's debut on access tv justin did you get a chance to check out any of impact's access tv debut i did not really good yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was really good. There, there's an interesting feud brewing right now, uh, in Ken Shamrock and Joey Ryan, which I think is something that would turn a few heads, which should turn a few heads. It's very interesting. Yeah, that I, I did see a, I, I did see a clip, which I'm guessing was from a fan live in the crowd of, uh, of, of, of those two. And yeah, that's that that that's a feud I didn't know that I wanted to see. You got that. You got uh, Sammy uh, Brian Cage in a in a cage match in the main event. There was a lot to like there, so I definitely recommend going out and checking the uh, the debut from Impact Wrestling last night. Uh, and we will have the draw Sammy Callahan on here in, in just a little bit. Also here later today, that's not the only interview. Right after Sammy Callahan, you're going to hear my interview with WWE Hall of Famer Rikishi. Rikishi's also in the house here today. He's going to be appearing at the Alamo Comic Con this weekend. Uh, we talk about uh, the current state of pro wrestling, all the crazy things going on inside of it. His son's the Usos, his cousins uh, Roman Reigns and The Rock. So lot, lots to like. I know you guys will like that. He talks about giving Vince McMahon the stink face, you know? And, and just so everybody knows, I write up a list of questions. I send it to Raj before I do interviews, and I say, what do you want added? Uh, that was a Raj suggestion. He said he wanted to know what it was like to, to give the stink face to Vince McMahon. So I can't take credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't want me saying that out loud. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care, though, because I've said it. So anyway, all credit to Raj for that one. Uh, and then at the very end of all of the uh, – after those interviews, we got a third piece of audio here today. Uh, we still have these interviews that Brian Wool did with Impact Talent from the Impact Media event in L.A. before Bound for Glory. Uh, they're more about the move to Access TV, so we've been trying to roll them out, and I'm not pushing them back any further. So you're also going to get to hear today from Scott DeMore. So you're going to hear Scott DeMore talk about the move to Access TV. So this, is a, this is a slam banger of an episode here today, Justin. I'd say I mean, it's, it's packed, and we haven't even got to you and I kibitzing about the news. Let's kibitz! It's time for news you can use. News that leave a bruise. And uh, this one broke in the middle of the night. It is the first ever women's wrestling match in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It's going to take place at WWE Crown Jewel tomorrow. WWE announced today at the Crown Jewel media event that Natalia versus Lacey Evans will be the historic first match ever. Uh, so, just I'll kick it to you. Thoughts on uh, the, on the announcement here of, of Natalia versus Lacey Evans happening to Crown Jewel? Well, of course, I'm happy for them. And uh, and I kind of thought inevitably at some point in the 10-year uh, residency that WWE is going to do with these uh, couple shows a year in Saudi Arabia that we would see a first-ever women's show. That's one of the things they wanted to accomplish is to be able to dub that they were the first, that they, they helped break ground, uh, help 
you know, culturally progressed things. Um, you know, like I talked about yesterday from a booking standpoint of, of, of they have an opportunity with the Fiend versus Bray Wyatt for the title to offer some credibility, some booking credibility to these crown jewel shows that may otherwise be ignored by fans, whether it's politically or whether it's because of the time of day they air here in the States. Um, again, they not, this, this offers one more bit of <clears throat> credibility to say, you know, what they're doing with these shows. Uh, I, I do wonder uh, how the, uh, how the, how the Saudi Arabia crowd will react to the sassy Southern Belle character. I don't know. She seems to think women are, are, should be traditional in the kitchen. I don't know, maybe barefoot in the kitchen. I think she heard Greg the Hammer Valentine maybe share that opinion. Uh, no, sorry, Greg. That's an old reference. Great guy, Greg Valentine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I there, you know, look, this, I've done, uh, I've done some reading recently in the past couple of months about sports washing. Are you familiar with that term? Sports washing? No. Sports washing is, uh, is what the, is what the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is trying to do right now, working with sports organizations to try to legitimize their image that way as hosting sports events while at the same time maybe doing some things that people would say are more than questionable, right? Sports washing, right? It's like whitewashing, but you're using sports to project this image uh, of Hmm. progressiveness uh, while you do other things. And, uh, of course, WWE would be in that category, but they're not alone. There's other entities. You know, I think there was a big Formula One race. I think there's, like, some big pro boxing event that Saudi Arabia's had. I think the PGA even held, like, a tournament there. Recently, so I don't want to just say this is only WWE that's doing this, uh, but it's definitely uh, you know I don't want to get too long-winded in this one today because we do have a lot to get to. But it's a term I, w- I would encourage you to Google and do a little research in. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, but yeah, you know, of course, good. You know, if there's if there's little girls in Saudi Arabia that become inspired by Natalia versus Lacey Evans, and and we see progress. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. But at the same time, you know, keep in mind. <laughs> Keep in mind here who I guess is getting the rub, so to speak, and do they deserve that rub? So I thought, I'll be curious what the I'll be curious what the ring gear is. I mean, Natalia's already Natalia's already pretty covered up in her normal ring gear with the the, the leather uh, kind of like cat suit, essentially Catwoman suit. But uh, I'll be curious. You know, Lacey Evans normally has you know sure uh, you know her a lot of her legs are exposed. You know, I'll be curious to see you know because I, I you know just just what what they have to do to. Uh, conform, so to speak. Wasn't there heat at like the first one of these events where they like accidentally flashed Sasha Banks and like people were like up in arms about it? I feel like they. I think they showed like a video. Yeah, I think they showed like a video package and it did show one of the one of the ladies and you know maybe midriff exposed or something. I I, I do vaguely remember something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So this. Hey, look. You know, of of the past uh, few events they've done over there. I mean, like you know, again, so, uh, Corey Graves gave this quote. I think it was the Sports Illustrated about. The Saudi events, he's like, great payday, and if you can just remove all the politics from it, you know, this is some, some great stuff. We're spreading the message. Um, you know, it's just difficult for me and I think others to to separate those two sometimes. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, we will we will see this. I'm, there's definitely more things happening at this event, and I'm interested to see how they play out. Uh, and this, this adds to that list. Uh, on the note of the trip uh, to Saudi Arabia here for Crown Jewel, PWInsider.com reporting that Shane is not going to be making the trip to Saudi Arabia. Uh, a video from a wrestling fan page on Twitter, which I was not, I don't think, embedded in this post, so I really didn't get to watch it and take a, uh, a, uh, a take from it what I will. Um, but apparently this video is based in the kingdom. It's a video that said Shane arrived in Riyadh today with his father, Vince McMahon. Now, there was some speculation on Vince not making this trip to Saudi Arabia because uh, WWE's 
2019 Q3 investors call is tomorrow morning. And with Vince making the trip to the kingdom, it's possibly could call in, but it doesn't appear he's going to be there in person with George Barrios and, uh, uh, and Wilson. So uh, that's a little, I mean, this Vince is obviously all in on this, this type stuff here right now. That's huge. I think for him to not be at an investors call, these are, uh, these are very important for his business. Well, there might be a lot of heated questions in that investors call that he doesn't want to, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to have to what deal with necessarily. What topics do you think will come up tomorrow? What do you, what do you, what do you think they'll ask about? I, I mean, I think they're going to talk about maybe, you know, I mean, I think certainly viewership, uh, sure. just the jump of, okay, the first week on Fox and then the, just compared to the second week, uh, I think, you know, you can bring up the WB game, the 2K game. I mean, the, the blunder that's been, but yet they're still running the advertisement marketing for it. Uh, I'm sure somebody will talk about AEW that's came in the fold since the last investors meeting and it's oh, beating NXT and NXT's made the move. I mean, I think people, I mean, I think, you know, those, those questions, those type of, type of things come up anyways. And I think now more than ever, they're going to come up. Um, and yeah, Vince being in Saudi Arabia and he was just there with undertaker for that, for that parade. So, I mean, he's, he's making a lot of trips to the kingdom. Yeah, he is. Well, and you know, uh, PW insider, by the way, also reported that most of the WWE crew left for Saudi Arabia via a private jet following raw, including Brock Lesnar, who usually travels separately, but I guess, he made the trip as well. I wonder if he wrestled anybody in the aisle of the airplane this time. I'm gonna go with no. Maybe Shorty G threw down, and he was like, "I gotta prove, <laughs> I gotta prove myself here." Uh, and for anybody that any for anybody for any any younger or newer fans who don't get that reference, uh, Google the plane ride from hell. Classic. Woo. Uh, so, uh, let's, you know, I'm going to, we'll save the Jordan Miles stuff here for a little bit. Let's stay on track with what we were talking about here with the, the viewership, because, um, this week's raw was down, uh, 8.9% from last week. Uh, last week they did 2.342. This week they did 2.133. Uh, this is the third lowest non-holiday episode in history. The first hour did 2.326, second 2.146, and then the final hour 1.928. So under 2 million there for that final hour. Now, this doesn't seem like a huge swing to me. I don't know that this is what the investors would be pointing at. I would think it would be the 80% drop or whatever for SmackDown on Friday nights right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, absolutely. I think I think the SmackDown is still the bigger story. I mean, Raw is kind of, you know, that, that that's kind of unfortunately where Raw is at. It's kind of in the what's been the norm lately. So, but yeah, the SmackDown, that drop significant, you know, given they just moved to Fox and had all kinds of money behind it. And speaking of Fox, one of the questions that I think could be asked of Vince, uh, again, last time I think he spoke to investors, uh, he had talked about not wanting to be in the weeds as much and having Paul Heyman and having, I, even though he never named, I don't think he named Heyman and Bischoff by name, but he right. referred to the fact that they had just hired uh, executive brand directors. I'm sure somebody might ask, hey, what happened to Eric Bischoff? <laughs> yeah, the Bischoff question will probably come up. Yeah, and, you know, I wonder how much they'll be able to, to say. Uh, you know, this is. Uh, it looked, I mean, I, I think the, you know, I was looking at the, uh, the general numbers this morning. It seemed like there was a, a slow, slow down the growth of the economy overall. So I think people are going to be particularly, uh, teething, uh, to, to get some questions in tomorrow. Um, also on the note of the last hour of the show doing less than 2 million viewers, uh, the last hour of the show featured this divorce court segment. All right. Now we talked about this yesterday, Justin, right? Of all of the things they've done so far with this, this arguably resonated the best and it does seem like we were not wrong in that assessment because while it was not necessarily a huge draw for viewers on tv but a big hit on youtube i checked this morning yesterday they were almost at four million views this morning they're almost at five million views for this segment it's the most watched video on wwe's youtube channel 
from Raw or SmackDown since the Braun Strowman and Tyson Fury uh, pull apart earlier this month. Now, I checked that video. It's at 5-4. So this video is probably going to outdo that here <laughs> next couple hours or so. I'll just simply repeat what I said yesterday. A lot of people can... People can be loud and vocal about, oh, this is terrible, and what is this, or whatever, but some of those same people are probably inside actually a little voyeuristic and curious, and, and, and the numbers are showing that. So turn off the TV, turn on the turn it on the internet? Is that what you're thinking? Exactly. Here? Exactly. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess there's a model for that, so it's very odd. Um, well, and Triple H was not backstage at Raw. There was some speculation that he had not. He had also made the trip to Saudi Arabia, but apparently he's not making this trip to Saudi Arabia because he'll be overseeing Wednesday's NXT episode from Full Sail. I think it's very telling that Vince made the trip to Saudi Arabia. He's not going to be at this investor's call. And Hunter, he's not going to Saudi Arabia just so he can be at tonight's show. This is an all-hands-type deck situ on deck type situation, I think, here with AEW and NXT, especially... With the tonight, I think there's some big baser ball game, right? Isn't this worst case scenario? Tonight is game seven. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised by this at all. I mean, you know, you got an NXT, NXT that's only been live for you know what, like five or six weeks now. Um, you know that he's. I mean, you know, Triple H always talks to us about you know just just what live TV is, and so I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, I mean, you got head to head competition, and and um, you know, or AEW is going to bring their best as they're um, what they're I guess what two weeks out from the pay per view. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. There's no, there's really no. I think when you look at the things, that there's really no need to have him over in Saudi Arabia. He need, but he needs to be in NXT. Um. Well, uh, we uh we have an update here. A couple updates on AEW. A uh, catch news reporting that Sami Zayn. Um, he commented on an interview. Uh, commented in an interview they did with him. Uh, about him saying AEW during the electric chair segment on Raw, which I'm sure they were very happy that they asked, that, that he was asked about. Um, he said, no, no, it really was not a big story other than it was on the Internet. At the end of the day, the segment was a small new segment that we were trying for people, an unscripted thing. I, th I knew that if we said AEW, that was the way that people will talk about it. That's exactly what happened. As you see, nothing really happened after I said that. It, it was done once. Nothing happened. Um, much more controversy on the internet on the subject, but it's important to have people talking about it. It was a small segment for one time only to have the people talking about it. That was the idea. Seems like a lot of word babbling there from Sami Zayn when pressed about this AEW reference. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think there's much to it. I think he's kind. Of, I mean, I think what he's trying to say it, it was, you know, something to kind of make make sure the segment was memorable in some way. Obviously, they did not continue that segment. That segment was, you know, otherwise pretty flat and pretty terrible. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's one of those, you know, ask for forgiveness later. I mean, what's the worst that happens? Vince fires him and then now he's free to go to AEW. <sighs> well, uh, speaking of AEW, we got a press release yesterday announcing, uh, a special panel of three judges. that's going to be brought to the full gear pay-per-view to decide the result of Cody Rhodes versus AEW world champion, Chris Jericho. If the match goes longer than the 60 minute time limit, no word on who the judges are going to be, but they will be seated at ringside for the match. AEW noted the judges must vote for a winner if there is no winner at the end of the time limit. And if there is not a unanimous vote, then the winner of the match will be the one who had the majority of the votes. Um, do they do this for all title matches now? That was my first thought. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't interpret this to mean like, oh, this means this is guaranteed. This is going to go beyond 60 minutes. I just think, yeah, I think it's a one, another one of these unique things that they're going to try. 
um, that's kind of bringing in a sport field. It's bringing in a boxing field, right? Um, to where, you know, maybe, maybe they will make this a habit to where they always have judges for at least world title matches. And it may take, it might take, um, it might take six or seven pay-per-view title matches until it, until it comes to the point where a match goes beyond 60 minutes and they can finally invoke those judges. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, about, I, I'm not, I don't hate it. I guess I'll just wait and see how the actual match goes down. Um, I wonder if DDP can be one of the judges. DDP, Billy Gunn. I mean, they got Arn Anderson back there. You know, you don't even have to bring people in that could, could do this. That, my, my first thought was just like, oh, man, is it, it, I don't know. Can you do this for every – I mean, I guess you can. Will the fans like it? I guess we'll find that out. Um, uh, and you bring up DDP. Um, our own uh, Raj Geary talked with uh, Dallas. Uh, Dallas Page, who dropped that interview yesterday here on the show, and I just wanted to point out – from that interview, which you can go back and listen to from yesterday, uh, Dallas does say he's not under contract to AEW, d- despite the fact he just showed up on Dynamite last Wednesday night. Uh, he made it clear he wants to be able to still work for both WWE and AEW. That's why he's not taking the AEW contract. I don't know, man. Jay and Silent Bob showed up and just sat in the front row, and they got kicked off the blue carpet. I don't know if Dallas – I would guess Dallas has more swing. Uh, but uh, strange times, man. Strange times. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bret Hart is introducing the new title. We haven't seen Bret Hart since uh, DDP. I mean, I, you know, he he wants to be able to pick from both wells and still make the make the good revenue he has off of WWE related things. And um, you know, right now is not the time to probably be be seen hanging out with the uh, the other guys. So, um, but hey, you know, he's DDP's been become has, has been a successful businessman so who am i to tell him what to do yeah, i'm sure dallas will do whatever he wants uh well uh, i teased this earlier uh, jordan miles uh, follow-up from uh the shirt controversy uh coming out from this past weekend uh he issued the statement he issued the following statement well we're gonna be part of the statement here because it's pretty long um, but he issued a statement on his controversial tweet he said i have offended a ton of people and used anger to fuel me with that being said i'd like to take this time to state an apology for not giving a shit about what others think about me. The anger I have inside of me has been built up for years now. Call me what you want, but you'll never, ever be able to call me fake. I've been lied to, used, and often mistreated by others who I viewed as associates. I've tiptoed around, kept quiet, even took some L's when necessary, emotionally charged up due to the shirt, which triggered past emotions. I'm never going to be sorry for being me, nor will I take back my words. I'm the best damn professional wrestler in the world and universe today. He ended a statement by saying he's going to promote change in the industry and will continue to go the distance as no man or woman will stop him from being honest. He also ended the post with the hashtag for the culture, the hashtag that he called on fans and wrestlers to start using earlier this week. So uh, this uh, appears to be the final chapter in this little saga. We'll see what his next moves will be. Within the business, but I thought I, I, you know, I think it was important that he put out something like this to address. He could have gone a little further, I think, in some people's eyes, um, Jay Lethal's eyes, and making some apologies known out there. Um, but you know, this this looks to be on to the next thing here. Has your opinion changed at all about what's going to happen with Miles here following the situation? Not really. You know, I, I think at some point yesterday I said, you know, I think this <clears throat> this is forever going to be with them. People can't forget. People can't unsee. They can't unread what they have seen and read and, and heard. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's going to, I'm not saying this is his 15 minutes of fame. I'm not saying this is his peak, you know, uh, but, but 
again, it's, it, this is just never going to leave him. So he's going to have to be prepared to deal with that one way or the other. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Like you said, maybe he shows up at this for the culture thing. You know, there's ways to rebrand this year. Uh, but yeah, you know, Goody put out a comment. Uh, all right. Let's uh, jump over outside of the worlds of WWE and AEW. Uh, Major League Wrestling, MLW, they're going to be here in my backyard of Chicago this Saturday night for their first ever pay-per-view, Saturday Night Super Fight. And uh, they put out word yesterday via Sports Illustrated that they have hired former Lucha, Ground, Lucha Underground co-executive producer and co-creator Chris DeJoseph. Of course, DeJoseph ran uh, Lucha Underground from 2014 until 2018. And before that, he spent six years writing for the WWE and was most notable for being the on-screen character Big Dick Johnson. An oiled up baby man. This is a great. I mean, I like uh, I like Chris. So anyway, I, how do you feel about the hire? Yeah, yeah, I do too. I'm 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 a I'm a Chris Joseph fan. So this um yeah good. I mean good good for. I mean MLW is uh you know obviously all the focus is on WWE and AEW. I mean and MLW can't you know financially compete with those in, in that sense. But uh, they're they they're they're maybe quietly uh, assembling quite the quite the quite the roster of people both in front and behind the scenes. It is interesting to see because AEW is obviously seeing success right now and they're doing fine and they're growing their brand, but they, man, they hit the throttle zero to a hundred overnight. Uh, it's, it's interesting for me to watch companies like impact and MLW right now, or even GCW that have kind of slowly been uh, building their brand back up or, or building up for the first time over the past two, three years. And I wonder, I wonder in five years, how different the pro wrestling landscape looks and how close they are to being on the same level as a wwe or AEW. because i do i see a lot of incremental change for the positive with these with these you know let's say class b uh, pro wrestling companies at the moment yeah you know and then you throw in the fact that you know the, N- the nwa you know you know the the, the corgan and dave lagana project and you, you wonder i mean you know now as all these companies are building strength and wwe certainly i mean wwe financially is doing fine but i mean there's certainly having other issues uh you know it makes you wonder like you know will we see a lot more of a once upon a time ter- once upon a time territorial kind of system where, where a lot of them are all working together um for, for the cause not everybody except for WB, i mean yeah um well uh, i am supposed to talk to court bauer here later today and of course they have uh mjf and jimmy havoc are in mlw and aew and i fully intend on Asking him what that relationship's been like, right? And and will it grow? So we'll find that out here sooner than later. Um, and uh, last but not least, here as we talk about all the promotions, Ring of Honor. Uh, not good here for ROH. Not good news here for ROH. ROH has announced that they are moving their Texas tour to uh, to June fifth and June sixth. This is uh, instead of next 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 weekend. No, next weekend they were supposed to do these shows, November 9th and tenth. They've been rescheduled for June fifth and sixth. Now the the officials at ROH cited operational conflict is the primary reason for the rescheduling fans who already bought tickets are going to be provided full refunds uh but they also have the option to use the tickets for june 5th and 6th if if they so choose um it's not good man <laughs> canceling no i mean it's not good this this goes back to a year ago i think when the young bucks and the cody and all of them decided not to not to invest, so to speak, into Ring of Honor and to go their own way with an AEW. Um, I think that was kind of really a that that that's gonna. I think we're gonna look back. That's gonna be a real the 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 concept the the, the con, you know the conception of AEW. I think is really we're gonna look back is really gonna be in the in the big picture of things. Going to be a a bad chapter for 
ring of honor i mean i'm not you know, maybe they bounce back at some point but i, I think that they've I, I think maybe they've seen their best days you know and i'm, I'm only I, i'm i'm a little surprised by this just because i thought with the jordan miles stuff and him calling out I, I you know this is just me being like carney booker nick houseman promoter but i honestly thought that roh might get some sympathy love because of what jordan had said about jay because you also had like shane taylor and jonathan gresham coming out and talking about how much more motivated they are. And I thought that there was maybe a moment there where something could have kind of maybe organically happened for ROH. Uh, but this kind of pulls the, the air out of the room as far as that theory went for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no I don't really see much. I, I, I wasn't really expecting any sympathy, uh, attention for ROH. My guest at this time is the new Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion. It is the draw, Sammy Callahan. Sammy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here less than 12 hours after you've won this title. 100%. Nick Halsman, how you doing? Good. Thank you, Sammy. Uh, so I'll start with that. You know, Obviously, you won the title last night on uh, Impact Wrestling's debut on Access TV. How does it feel? Yeah, it, it is pretty obvious because it trended worldwide last night and the entire world's talking about it. So, yes, it is very obvious. It is. Yeah. How, how, does it feel, how does it feel to finally be the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion? It feels amazing because now the entire world has to shut up and listen to me because I have that platform to preach anything I feel like preaching on that day. Fair, fair. Um, and so uh, what, do you, what do you think? Why do you think it took you as, as long to get to the world title spot as it has for for you in a national major promotion like impact wrestling i mean look at me i'm not the type of guy that people want to be the face of their company they want people like brian cage who by the way breaks down more than a mcdonald's ice cream machine <laughs> I, I think i truly am that beacon of light right now a lot of other wrestlers like to say they're a beacon of light but i'm a beacon of light to a entire other generation to prove that mediocrity is dead you don't have to be complacent just collecting a paycheck and you can pave your own way your entire destiny because you create your own future yeah you know and it was reported last year at this time that you had signed a one-year deal with impact can we expect you to stay longer have you have you renewed for a longer deal with impact wrestling i'm diving in with impact wrestling until next december not this one coming up the one uh coming afterwards but right now that's uh that's not even on my mind my mind right now is being one of the full forces behind saving impact wrestling i think i've done exactly just that and when you say save save impact wrestling i'll press you on that a little bit what do you mean by that what are you trying to save impact wrestling from Look, I think everyone's coined this term now that impact wrestling is hard to kill. We're, we're, we're not going to insult people's integrity and insult people's intelligence by looking back at the past and being like, you know what, that past was good. No, there's a lot of the past that this company was in a shit shape. And I think over the past few years between management and the roster that has a chip on their shoulder that we went out there and kicked the door down and showed that impact wrestling is a true alternative in professional wrestling again. Yeah. And, you know, on that note, you know, when you when you say things like that and you look at where impact has been or even when it used to be TNA, do you hear from former talents that are that are t giving you praise or complimenting what you guys are doing right now with the current product? 100%. You see it all over social media that everyone's talking about Impact Wrestling. And that's why I signed with Impact Wrestling. I could have probably went to any wrestling company around the planet and done whatever I wanted to. But I signed with Impact Wrestling when it was in the shit shape it is because I, I, I saw the writing on the wall. I saw the new regime taking over. I saw the roster there being a part of it. And I wanted on my resume to one day people look back at Impact Wrestling when it's one of the most successful companies on the planet. And they'll be like, you know what? 
Sammy Callahan is one of the main reasons that company is in the spot it's in. And that's uh, something I can put on my resume that no one can ever take away from me. So when you were... uh, Like it or not, I have waved this impact flag harder than everyone else because anything that I put myself into, I put my entire 500, 600, 1,000% into, and I've proven that Impact Wrestling is the place to be right now. So with all that said, and I can hear the passion in your voice, what was it like for you to watch Impact Wrestling last night on Access TV? Did that feel like a culmination of a lot of different work you've been doing the past couple of years? 100%. And I, I always use percentages, and I don't know why. But when you look at this, Impact Wrestling over the past year has had the most, some of the most compelling storylines, some of the best rosters, some of the best matches in all professional wrestling, but the world wasn't seeing it. Now the world can see it. Now the world can DVR it. And now Impact Wrestling is about to set the world on fire. You bring the fire, we'll bring the gasoline. So last night, of course, uh, get back to how we started here. You won the world championship uh, over Brian Cage in a bloody steel cage match. Uh, how did you celebrate your win that night? What, what did you, what did Sammy Callahan do to celebrate? I went and put down a couple cold ones because men drink beer because I don't drink bubbly like a bitch because bubbly's for bitches at the end of the day. Wow. Okay. Um, and, and I would take it was, was the rest of OVE waiting outside the arena to join you to go get the, get the beers. hundred percent. They had a 1982 El Camino parked out back that we got into and we had a good time. <laughs> that's classic right there that's a classy way to uh to celebrate um now with all it's the- my dream to own el camino it, it's the top thing in our society it's a gym and i finally own one because i'm the impact world champion and now i'm going to start driving that around the country and pissing people off i, I don't want to put ideas in your head but if you line the the truck bed of an el camino with like some plastic you can turn it into like a little mobile pool yeah, i don't want to do that i don't like getting wet I also don't like getting sticky. One of my biggest fears is being sticky. I don't like sticky stuff. Okay, so wait. Now, I was going to ask this later, but at the end of the match, Tessa comes out, and you, like, hawk this loogie into the air, um, and it comes and it lands, like, right on your face. It looks like a pigeon crapped on your face. What, why did you do that? What, what, what was the message you were trying to send with that? That's what I was trying to give her that is I don't give a shit. Tessa Blanchard wants to come in and try to steal my moment. Tessa Blanchard wants to come in and try to make her name famous off the draw of Sammy Callahan. So I showed her she had to get face-to-face with me. She was going to do a big old wad of Sammy Callahan spit sitting on his face. Disgusting. Um, so do you feel that she's deserving of uh, your first world title defense, or does Brian Cage get the automatic first title defense? I think Brian Cage has to get the automatic because he's a champion, even though he only defended the championship twice and he broke down more than a McDonald's ice cream machine. I'd love to beat the machine Brian Cage's ass again because if you, if you look at history, I'm the only man that's pinned Brian Cage twice in the middle of the ring clean. True. And, you know, you guys have had an amazing feud together here over the past couple months uh, leading to you winning this title here. What's it been like reflecting on it? What did you learn from operating in a main event level feud like this with Brian Cage? I think it's something I've been ready for my entire career, especially the last six years. Last six years, I've been one of the top professional wrestlers on this planet today. And when I've finally been given the opportunity to be on top, I knocked it out of the park. (laughs) Yeah, with a baseball bat. Um, You know, afterwards, you know, with Tessa coming out, you guys have obviously, you had that great brawl here uh that great match earlier this year 
You know, the, she is gunning for your title, it would look like. There's a big embrace of women competing for the, the world title. Do you see a need for a knockouts and world a men's world? It's not even like a men's world championship at this point, you know? 100%. Like, I think we need a knockouts division. We also need a regular division. But I think there should be crossover anywhere. Hell, I think if we're going to be really equality-based, like, hell, maybe after I uh, – after I beat Tessa Blanchard's ass again, whenever that day may come, maybe I'll drop down to the knockout division and win that also. Because I, in today's day and age, I don't believe that it should be called intergender wrestling. It's just professional wrestling. And Tessa Blanchard, as much as I may hate her, she's a bad bitch, and she's a gem of a generation. True. She, she crosses that line of where intergender wrestling and pro wrestling meets. Yeah. And, you know, your knockouts division at Impact Wrestling right now is really on fire. I mean, do you have any... one of the best in wrestling right now. No. They have some of the best girls in the business right now. Jessica Haggard, Jordan Grace, Rosemary, who's a pretty much a cult icon at this point. Rosemary's one of the most over characters in all of professional wrestling right now. Taya, uh, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Impact Wrestling has always been built around its knockouts division. And I think the new generation of knockouts is doing a damn good job of filling the shoes of the knockout division of old. Well, and I know you, and I know that you like to get your hooks in every part of the business, and you've got these guys around you. Do you have any interest in welcoming a knockout into the ranks of OVE and having them represent? No, I'd love to have Jessica Havoc in OVE because she's Ohio, and she's a bad bitch as well. Jessica Havoc is one of the tallest people on the roster, and I think she's another one that can jump in there and do intergender or professional wrestling and do it damn well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, jumping back here real quick uh, to your title win last night on, on Impact Wrestling, you know, what, what did it mean to you to have Impact choose to highlight this big title win for you on the debut episode of Access TV when this is a real statement show for them? It's everything that it should be. And I told all the haters, I told all the critics to kiss my ass because now I'm the face of a company. People like me don't get a chance to be face of a company very often. But now that I am, I show that you've got to create your own future. You've got to bet on yourself. And when you do that, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Because like it or not, I, I understand that I'm a five foot seven white kid from Ohio, but I'm a five foot seven white kid from Ohio that never took no for an answer, stepped up and set the wrestling world on fire. Yeah, and with you at the top of the mountain here and with Impact now on Access TV, you know, what changes do you think fans can expect here from Impact going forward on Access TV? What did you say one more time? I'm sorry, you broke up. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I just said, you know, with you on top now and, you know, Impact on this new Access TV platform, what, what changes can fans expect moving forward with Access TV? I think it's a, a true alternative. Over the past year we've had one of the best wrestling shows on the planet today and impact wrestling is the only company that's willing to give the people what they want everyone always bitches and complains that the attitude era was the best era of professional wrestling impact wrestling is pretty damn close giving you exactly that they're giving you exactly what they want they're not afraid to get a little violent they're not afraid to think out of the box they're not afraid to cross that line because they're not worried about offending people because at the end of the day, they're going to be true to themselves just like I'm true to myself. Yeah, and you know, you brought up the Attitude Era stuff. There was definitely a moment on Impact last night that stuck out to me is that, and that was RVD in Hot Tub with Katie Forbes. Quite the life, first of all. RVD seems to be doing pretty well right now, Sammy. That's the real RVD. That's what people don't understand. People think RVD is just the quiet, 
dude that smokes himself out all day long. But RVD is a guy that's accomplished everything he's ever wanted to accomplish in this business. He's probably bored with life, but now he's living his best life because he pretty much told everyone to kiss his ass, and he's doing it his way now. He's letting the real RVD show, and I commend him for that. Yeah, and, you know, he he was very direct. He said he, uh, he carried ECW. He also said there wouldn't be the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega without him. Now, other promotions have kind of shied it's away true. from No, I'm it's not. It's true, though. Yeah. Like, if you really look at it, like, that's not hating on those guys. Those guys are very talented athletes and guys that I've considered friends in my career. But when you really look at it, there would be no style like we do now if RVD wanted to kick the door down to the mediocrity of the old style of wrestling. Same thing if you look at a guy like Petey Williams. P.D. Williams completely changed the business with the creation of the Canadian Destroyer, and I feel like he deserves more credit for that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, but I, what I was going to say with what he said about the Bucks and Kenny here is, you know, other promotions, they've tried to kind of shy away from directly mentioning their rivals. You guys you guys did that. You leaned in, and you, you weren't afraid to do that. Do you think we can expect to see more of that from, from either you or Impact Wrestling or RVD? 100%. I, I think Impact Wrestling isn't afraid to do that. They're not afraid to give you a more adult-oriented story. Because at the end of the day, not all wrestling fans are the same. And the group of people that we are catering to is that demographic. People that want a little violence. People that want a little bit of uh, sexual storylines. Stuff that people want and would watch on Game of Thrones and stuff like that is what they're going to be able to get with Impact Wrestling. We're, we're a wrestling company unlike any other mainstream company on the planet right now because we're not afraid to step up and give the people what they actually want. Yeah, you know, when you talk about a more adult-oriented product, uh, definitely big fan of the signing of Joey Ryan to Impact Wrestling. How do you feel about having Joey as part of the roster? Joey is one of the biggest assets in all professional wrestling right now. People can love or hate him. At the end of the day, Joey Ryan equals numbers and he equals money. And the fact that last night watching the debut of Impact Wrestling on Access TV and Kim Shamrock calling him the penis guy and listening to the reaction that Joey Ryan got next week when Ken Shamrock wrestles Joey Ryan on Impact Wrestling, that's the style match that you're only going to be able to see on Impact Wrestling. This is the kind of stuff that people have been watching on the indies for years and loving. Joey Ryan's built up a cult fan base, and now he gets to show the entire world because there is a group of the world that wants this style of wrestling, and Impact Wrestling's going to give it to them. Well, you've, you've certainly had uh, some, some critics that uh, are also critics of Joey's. Uh, what do you think it says that Ken Shamrock is like willing – to work with this guy and go the distance to do it the way that, that Joey's going to be comfortable. And I think in a way that fans are going to be comfortable with. Ken Shamrock's the man. When push comes to shove, Ken Shamrock's one of the most badass characters in all professional wrestling history. And the, the fact that he'll get in there and he's not afraid to get a little weird. He's not afraid to actually uh, go out of his comfort zone. It's a big, uh, staple of who Ken Shamrock is as a performer and as a veteran in this business. He's everything a veteran should be in this business. Yeah. Um, well, and he also, when he came out before, you know, Joey cut him off, he said he was there to to go back to where he was and where he wants to be. I definitely got the vibe. He's, he's aiming to be in the world title picture. Uh, would you welcome a chance to defend the title against Ken Shamrock? 100%. I was supposed to wrestle him uh, five, six, seven years ago at AAW, but there's some sort of miscommunication when, uh, 
kept booking him with his agent, and I didn't get a chance to wrestle him, I would love a chance to get in the ring with the world's most dangerous man and prove to him that as much as I respect him, Sammy Callahan deserves that moniker now because I am the world's most dangerous man. Damn. Uh, well, uh, one person who could probably test that is Eddie Edwards, another guy who's kind of in the shadows here. He's got the Call Your Shot trophy from the Call Your Shot gauntlet match. Do you wor- I mean, Eddie's unhinged. He's got history with you. Do you worry about him? Can we go ahead and thank me for that? Eddie Edwards was once looked as one of the most technical wrestlers on this planet today. But over the past two years since the historic baseball bat incident, Eddie Edwards has changed for the better, and the true Eddie Edwards has finally came out. Eddie Edwards is having one of the best runs of his entire career right now, and I think he's having fun doing it. Um, You know, one of the things I wanted to bring up while I had you here, and I know we're, we're almost out of time, I noticed there was a lot more Carney speaking on impact this week than maybe in the past. Um, uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Do you have like a favorite Carney word? Is there a word you use all the time in Carney? I'm not a big Carney speaker. You know why? Because it, it, it died years ago. I used to speak Carney all the time when I was younger and I prided myself learning how to speak Carney. I'm going to leave that to Johnny Swinger though, because it entertains the hell out of me. Okay. Uh, well, awesome. Uh, well, Sammy, I want to thank you so much for the time. Uh, again, uh, impact can, we, can we put over the fact how good that Johnny Swinger actually looks right now? The dude is in his 40s, pushing 50, and he looks better than half the roster. Dude, dude's a total stallion. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, he, look, he's one of those guys that has an eight. He's like our truth, right? It's like he just put him in the, the action figure box, and he stays the same. Yeah, Impact Wrestling right now has one of the best young up-and-coming rosters, one of the best current rosters, and they have one of the best groups of veterans that understand that the business has had to change. Uh, I saw a lot of people online like to bitch and complain, and they're kind of upset at the signing of Johnny Swinger, and they were oh, why aren't they signing another young talent? Impact Wrestling already has an amazing young group of talent. You need veterans like this to teach the next generation. I don't think people understand that. I think Rhino, RVD, Tommy Dreamer, Johnny Swinger, Don Callis, Scott Demore, just to name a few of them. Like Impact Wrestling has one of the, the best building blocks in professional wrestling in the business right now. Um, I, one thing I did want to ask you about real quick, a little off the beaten path. I, I knew there was something that was hanging over me. Um, I know that, Sammy, you're obviously the world champion. You've, you've also been a, on the promotion side of things. How important do you think it is for Impact Wrestling's referees to be consistent with the calls and maintain their credibility? I think it has to be consistent because you can't insult people's uh, intelligence and you can't confuse people. Uh, Not completely burying AEW because they're doing their own thing and they're doing it very successfully. But I I saw a lot of fans get really confused in the first episode when Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were in a six-man tag match and John Moxley attacked him from behind and there was never no DQ. I think what Impact does better than everyone is explain exactly what they're doing. And I, I, I was watching them film television this past week, not television this past weekend, excuse me. I was watching the debut of Access TV yesterday, and Don Cowles put over one thing that, was, that made the world of difference. He said everything in Impact Wrestling is up to the ref's discretion. If a ref determines that a match should get forward, a, a ref has that power to make that call. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I'm just i just curious. Refereeing right now is just a buzzy topic. Um, well, again, Sammy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations again on your big Impact World Heavyweight uh, Championship win. Is there anything else you'd like to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview today? 
100% Impact Wrestling goes back to New York City next week, Melrose Ballroom. And you should probably buy tickets right now because you'll witness history as Sammy Callahan walks into Impact Wrestling for the first time as their new Impact World Champion. Also, I already don't like the New York Commission, so I might be something to get get impact kicked out of that building so we never have to go back there again so you should probably buy tickets for that now also check me out on all social media platforms twitter at the sammy callahan instagram at official callahan and check out my wrestling promotion my side project the wrestling revolver on all social media platforms at pw revolver as well as on www.prowrestlingrevolver.com my guest at this time is a WWE Hall of Famer who will be appearing at the Alamo Comic Con on behalf of Bustin' for Autism on November 1st through the 3rd. It is Rikishi. Rikishi, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you, my brother, Nick. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure, man. It is too cool to talk with you. Is that a bad uh, pun? Is that okay if I say that? Yeah, absolutely. You can say whatever you want. It's your show. Okay, well, this is this is too cool. Uh, well, Rikishi, let's start off with the Alamo Comic-Con here. You know, what can fans expect uh, from your appearance here uh, at Alamo Comic-Con? Well, you know, I'm excited to come uh, to San Antonio. Uh, Texas was one of my first uh, uh, spots when during my early days of the career in the middle of the 1980s uh, when I wrestled up there for the Von Erichs. Oh, man. Uh, up in WCW in Dallas, Texas. So, for the for the uh, Alamo Comic Con, I've never been uh, to that Comic Con, so I'm very excited to uh, to push up to be able to meet and greet all the fans. But most of all, to be able to bring uh, autism awareness with my family of Butson for Autism uh, there in Houston, Texas. Absolutely. Well, talk to me a little bit about Bustin for Autism. Uh, Bustin for Autism. How did you get hooked up with them, and uh, why did you choose to to work with Bustin for Autism? Well, you know, uh, so Tano uh, Weaver is the owner and CEO of Bustin for Autism, and uh, I've met this uh, lady. I want to say maybe in uh, 2013. Okay. And when I came through for this uh, uh, her event convention, it probably was only. I know 50 people there. It was a very small convention. But to find out that her daughter, um, Dana, was diagnosed with autism. And it was the most beautiful thing to be able to come and meet this young girl uh, that uh, uh, with autism. And ever since then, I've uh, mentioned to Tana that, you know, whenever there's a convention for, uh, for, for herself and her company, to be able to bring autism awareness, that you can count me in. So our relationship has been since 2013 so wow. it's a it's a it's a family thing uh to be able to come through and to such wonderful people such as yourself and especially as a as for uh for autism yeah you know a lot of people throughout the world you know need to be aware of these uh, special kids and special people that uh that are, are with autism so i meet a lot of interesting uh, fans with autism, and I'll tell you, man, to sit there to be able to meet and greet and listen to their stories, you know, we can all learn a few a few things from them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you are obviously, you're Rikishi, you know, you're world-known. Do you feel a responsibility with the platform you've been given to, to represent causes like Boston for Autism? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I, not only for myself or as a public figure, but I, I feel for any public figure that's out there, be it celebrities, movie stars, wrestlers, and so forth, uh, to be able to, for me, it's the platform that I use 
uh, from professional wrestling to be able to bring good uh, awareness to the causes that are out there that are needed. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, I'm so honored again to, to be a part of uh, Bucks and Balls. Well, that's great. Well, you know, and uh, back here to the Alamo Comic Con, I wanted to ask you, you know, I know you've done quite a few of these conventions. You know, when you go out there and you're meeting the fans, you know, what kind of stories or matches from your career do you feel you get asked about <laughs> the most often at these things? Uh, well, the, the, the stories of both of me, I usually listen to the fans. And, you know, when not only when they come through, through and take a meet and greet a picture, but it's, they're always asking, what, what was the, who liked the stink face and who didn't like the stink face? <laughs> okay, well, good. That's a good you know, one. That's good. That's good. So they, they talk about that, you know, and then they're always wanting to know about the family, you know, the Samoan dynasty, you know, the legacy that goes goes on. Why is it there so many? And, sure. you know, who are the new ones that are coming through? Uh, you know, my thoughts on what's going on today with, uh, you know, with the WWE and Roman Reigns and, you know, my son. So yeah. it's always a good, it's always a good uh, positive conversation. They're curious and I try to give them the best I can to them. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll follow up then. Who enjoyed getting the stink face? Did anybody enjoy getting the stink face? I feel like that's a little odd. I, I, you know, it's, it's probably the divas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Which is kind of weird. Okay. You know, but you know, the guy, the guys don't want to take a, you know, when, when they know that they, they're going to get a big 400-pound bleach blonde hair, some more, and you guys are going to come and stick his ass in their face. The guys are not too fond of that. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, you you uh, you got to deliver a stink face to, like, with the most powerful man in pro wrestling, Vince McMahon. What was that like getting to stink face your boss, Vince? Well, I mean, it was great because I got paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be able to, you know, Again, you know, Vince McMahon, he, he's, a, he's a wonderful dude. I don't have nothing bad to say about the man. Yeah. You know, he's set a big platform for a lot of the wrestlers that are out there, past, present, and the future. Mm-hmm. He's taking care of a lot of families and so forth. That, you know, you know, uh, for us to be a part of his family, he's been open over, I'm talking about all the way to his father. Yeah. A hundred years of WWF, WWE today. And my family members, past, present, and future, has been there for 75 plus years. Wow! So, so it's kind of like you know, it's uh, it's kind of a family thing uh, to be able to be a part of uh, the WWE. And I just I want to thank the Vince McMahon family and, and so forth, and continue to do the job. You know, continue <laughs> to put out you know uh, entertainment for the fans throughout the world. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just I, I, I giggled a little bit at the end because you're saying such nice things, and I think about how you you were like sitting on this man's face and it's just really, you know, I have, I have people I consider to be family too. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. You know, I don't know. It's just... well, I'll tell you one thing. He told me before we went out there, he says, Hey, I hope you wash your ass today. <laughs> I'm like, I said, what are you talking about? Just because it's called stink face doesn't mean my ass stinks. A <laughs> uh, uh, little spritzer of uh, cologne, maybe in the cheeks, you know, just to make it. Uh, <laughs> You know what? I I do have three. I'm going to bring you in on something. Okay. I do have three different songs. Okay. I have the song that I never take out the sandwich bag. Okay. I have the mediocre song Mm -hmm. that I air out. Okay. And then I have the the new songs. Okay. So those you think that I don't like, who you think gets the, which song do you think they get? I think they get the one that they don't, that never comes out of the bag and is (laughs) disgusting and has spent a lot of time in your butt. So I think I wanted to give Vince McMahon the new song. 
Okay. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be the employee. I probably would have got fired the next day. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you bring up, you know, the like, you know, the history with the McMahons and your family. You know, obviously, you know, their sons, uh, the Usos, are one of the best tag teams this generation. Do you think they're going to be looked back on as one of the greatest tag teams in WWE history? Do you feel like they've achieved that level at this point? Well, absolutely. I feel like. You know, I've mentioned this before. The boys have nothing to to prove in the industry anymore. You know, it's uh, they've been there now for 11 years. Um, I, I think the first first couple of years was probably the hardest part, uh, not only to to prove to themselves but to prove to the whole world that just because they're related to the dynasty doesn't mean that they have a free ride to come into the industry. Sure. You know, it's, it's just like myself when I came. And with the head shrinker with my partner Samu, you know, to come in after our uncles Alfred Sigas were just, you know, absolutely amazing workers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and it was a lot of pressure on us. Yeah. You know, were we able to fill their big shoes to be able to compete uh at that level? And you know, I feel like, you know, for the boys, you know, they've they've surpassed that. You know, they've I've always tell my boys, you you, you pave your own way. Everybody knows where you come from and what bloodline you're going to come from. But at the end of the day, you got to go out there and perform on your own. So I think the, the twins have done a wonderful job uh, to be able to get out there and perform. And, you know, the WWE Universe has supported it, and I thank them for that. Yeah, and, you know, they, they are, you know, working on such a big platform under the microscope. Occasionally, you know, those bad headlines do come up. You know, as a dad and as somebody who's been in the business, when you see those negative headlines uh, come up, how, how do you feel? How do you how do you react to that stuff? Well, repeat that question again. I'm sorry. Oh, I just said, you know, since they are so under the microscope as being a part of the dynasty and being in WWE, you know, bad headlines do come up with everybody looking at them so closely as a dad and, you know, as a performer. How do you feel when you when you see that stuff come up and, and the media gets wind of it? Well, you know, today there's, you can't really hide anything is that you got to be very careful uh, with social media and what's out there. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this, you know, uh, you know, only when you come to the arenas. It's in your personal life. There's camera phones all over the place. So for me, I'm, I'm always cautious of things that I do that if, it, if, it's, if it's not, you know, the right thing or to do that, you definitely don't want to do that, you yeah. know, and so. With the boys, I want them, you know, they're going to live and they're going to learn. You know, nobody's perfect. And I, I'm the first to say I'm definitely not perfect. Sure. But I've learned off of my failures. I've learned off of things that if I did, you know, get in trouble or something, whatever uh, that I've done, maybe, you know, you know, had a few too many drinks or had a, and I knew I wasn't supposed to be behind the wheel or whatever. You can rest assured I'm ready to pay the consequences. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, you decide to, you got to choose, you got to, you know, sometimes you have to grow up. Yeah. And today, today's the industry today that just, I'm so happy that, you know, they're very, uh, all the performers are underneath the, the microphone. It's, it's for their own good. It's not to bark down their throat. It's not, to, you know, to do anything else, but just to, to be able to, to, to protect them, protect the fans and protect, you know, the, their family that, you know, that are home waiting for them. Yeah, you know, we mess up on the road. It domino effects all the way to, to my youngest son. You know, so absolutely, absolutely. Me, you know, as any adult in any other job or, 
you know, everybody has the choices to do either do right or, you know, and act like an idiot. So you pick and choose. Yeah, well said. Um, I also want to ask you about uh, your cousin, Roman Reigns. Obviously, in the past year, he's yeah. come out publicly about how he, uh, he battled leukemia, overcame it again. Did you know he was having this struggle? And what did you think about his decision to come clean with the WWE Universe about what he was dealing with? Well, I mean, yes, of course, we all knew about it. Uh, but again, you know, it's, it was his timing of everything. As a family, we just supported uh, uh, his thoughts uh, on everything. And it was the time was right for him to come out. And I'm so, I can't tell you so much how how proud I am of what he's, he's doing out there to be able to uh, speak up. And now it's a domino effect into helping other kids that are out there that are diagnosed with leukemia. Man. As we all see on the, on, the, on a weekly basis, he's more so doing a lot of the charities and meet and greeting all the kids and bringing, uh, you know, awareness uh, to that uh, disease. It's a beautiful thing. It's, 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 he's utilized the, the platform. It's bigger than wrestling. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing like, you know, that uh, we are so happy that uh, he's able to capitalize and, be able to really get out there and bring awareness to this. I think so, about that. I think about you. him. I think about him at the children's hospitals and how much me and how much it's got to mean to those kids to know that he's sharing that struggle with them. That's very powerful. You know, I think it's great what he's doing. Well, right man, now. I mean, you think about it to, to know that you're diagnosed with something that can kill you, and now you're given a second, you know, second or third chance to be able to, you know, to get out there and just save lives. And let me tell you my story. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a powerful thing, and you know. Again, you know, for those that are out there that are in positions like Roman Reigns, be it in football, wrestling, basketball, whatever sports or whatever, don't, you know, don't be afraid to, to take the lead. Don't be afraid to tell your story yeah. because you're not the only one going through it like that. But, you know, when you have people who like the pouring of support to our family when he made that announcement was just, you know, was, was unbelievable. And I was just so thankful to God. Uh, that he was able to, you know, uh, to come out and to be able to, you know, recognize with the whole world as far as what he's going through. And now to domino effect to do other things outside of the uh, professional wrestling. Yeah. It's just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Do you think he's going to get the bug like like your, your other cousin, The Rock? Do you think he's going to go off to Hollywood and become famous uh, sooner than later? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know, in professional wrestling, your mind says we can go, but at the end of the day is how we feel. Yeah. Trust me. I, I miss you guys so much. I really do miss all the fans around the world. I miss you guys, but I definitely don't miss, like, you know, my body hurts. My, my mind says I can go, but you just can't do certain things anymore. Once you go out there and you, you put it all on the line for years, sooner or later, you know, those, those bones start to break down. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, okay, I know I can't perform as much as I would like. And the body's just not, not what it is. Now, what can I do to, you know, to utilize the platform to continue to do being, being a public guy, continue to do these charities, but stay to stay moving, stay working, you know? Yeah. Well, and you're still working. You're still giving back. Uh, you run the knock, knock X pro Academy uh, still, correct? Your trainer there. Yeah. Knock, knock. Knox Pro Academy. Yeah, not K N O K X 
P-A-O-P-R-O.com. I knew I was going to botch it because I, I was looking at it, staring at it. I was yeah. like, what a weird word is it, Knox Pro? Well, you know, the two, the two the, when you read the Knox yeah. and you see the two X in the middle, those are Samoan weapons oh. that we made the X off. And then the Pro, okay. you can read the Pro. So most of my time now is with the Academy in Los Angeles. Right. Um, and uh, we have well over possibly 70 students. And I, I train a lot of kids like within the three days of training uh, in LA. And that I, I want to tell you this, Nick. This these kids here, they keep me, they keep me, they keep me alive, man. Yeah. They keep me and let me know what's out there, what needs to be fixed, and you know my love and passion for the industry, you know, and our family as well. I just want these kids to get it. I want them to understand what the wrestling industry is and the ins and outs. Like most of them come, first thing I tell them, you're not a PlayStation wrestler, are you? <laughs> and they'll look at me like, you know, they're kind of like, you know, you know like, like, hey, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you're going to find out that this is not like PlayStation wrestling. Yeah. And uh, every single person that comes through, it's the same story. Like they all love professional wrestling. Wow. And so I'm straight up when they come through, I tell them, I get it that you guys love wrestling, but I'm going to be honest. Some of you guys are going to make it and some of you guys are not going to make it. By the time we go to the training and I give you exactly what it is. And, you know, you're going to find out it's not exactly what you probably thought it was going to be. It is not easy. You know, we go in there, we pound our bodies. That three-quarter plywood and that steel post ring, it wins every night. I don't give a shit how good you are, True. you know? So you got to learn the key word in professional wrestling is longevity. Yeah. So, wow. you know, with that, training with the kids and that, and I'm a proud and I'm an ambassador, not only for question for autism awareness, but I, I'm also a, an ambassador for Blackout Fight Gear, Yeah. which we've opened up our own uh, Samoan Dynasty brand of clothing line. And... With this blackout fight gear, you know, I've been busy uh, going to a lot of MMA fights, Muay Thai fights. So we pretty much are the gear makers for all this. Yeah, that's cool. We go and so as a, I had it one time to where I came into an MMA fight in Stockholm. And uh, a lot of people are wondering, what the hell was I doing there? What is a wrestler doing here at an MMA fight? Well, not only is only there to promote the product, but I was there to tell them exactly what I'm doing there. And I said, I'm here as an athlete. Yeah, we're in different industries, but we're in the same arenas. Yeah. I'm sure every single person back there, you're out here, you're fighting, and you're working to be able to put food on the table to take care of your family. For me, it was the, how important it is, was the tools that we have for ourselves to survive the ring, meaning our knee pads meaning our elbow pads, things that we strap our bodies up with. It's the same thing with fighters that are in that back locker room. And I'm here to say that what we have in this product, I would never put my name to endorse anything unless I knew it would help athletes, not only fighters, but athletes throughout the whole world. And then, you know, this is how this kind of domino effect where I'm on the road to be able to push and to bring awareness to the product that we have uh, uh, with our blackout fight here. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm very busy, but I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful that God has continued to give me the strength to be able to keep moving and to meet all the, the fans throughout the world. 
That's awesome. Uh, I, I guess uh, last but not least, you know, it's a very busy time here for pro wrestling, Rikishi. You're, you're beloved. Uh, you know, uh, any chance we see you pop up on uh, AEW, NXT, maybe down at the Performance Center or something like that? <laughs> you know what they say in this industry, Nick? You never say never. <laughs> you know, I, I do want to say this. You guys want to look out for the Samoan Dynasty, uh, the hit list. You know, I have my nephews. I have the new twins that are out here that have been training with us. Uh, the Manukai Neo twins. Oh, yeah. The MK. Uh, yeah. The MK twins. You'll see them on my Instagram and so forth. Then I got my son, Sefa Fatu, who's the youngest uh, from the twins. Um, and I got my, my nephew, Jacob Fatu, that's on the scene. He's probably the hottest independent guy that's out there. There's some more. He's, he's not an indie. He's, uh, the, he's the MLW world champion right now, isn't he? He's the hottest cat out there right now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in due time, I, I kind of see the dynasty uh, actually coming in either to AEW or or WWE, or well, we'll see. You know, we'll see where where things start, where, where conversations will begin. Cool. But for me, it's just to be able to bring awareness to of those that are, you know, our youngsters in the dynasty uh, that are coming up in the industry. That's awesome. Uh, Rikishi, I want to thank you so much for the time here. Uh, again, you'll be at Alamo Comic Con on behalf of Bustin' for Autism, November 1st to the 3rd. Uh, anything else you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview today? Hey, I just want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody with love and respect for always supporting my family in the Samoan Dynasty, past, present, and future. And just, you know, want to know, want to let you guys know that I miss you. I miss, I miss every single fan that's out there. I'm so happy that platforms such as yourself is able to take time for us to give a voice out there for people to listen. How long have the talks between Anthem and Access TV been going on? I think as people can probably uh, understand, it's, it, this isn't the type of thing that comes together overnight. It's been a very long process. Um, it goes back many, many months. It's been in, uh, it's been in the works, and it, it's been one of the hardest things to do is for an extended period of time, just keep telling people, like, like don't worry, we have a plan, but not being able to say what that plan was. So it was a, it was a pretty exciting day when we finally got to get that announcement out about Access TV. Um, why do you feel that Pursuit didn't work out? I mean, ultimately, Pursuit was a stopgap for where we knew we were going. We were still on Pop TV when we knew that Access was going to be our new home. Um, but there's a, there's a couple things. Without us committing to Pop, Pop couldn't commit to us, which would have led to us, like, if we would have stayed on Pop, we'd have been bounced all over the time slot, late night and everything else. It's the things that had already started. And I got to say, uh, Brad Schwartz, amazing supporter of Impact Wrestling uh, at, Pop, at Pop TV. He was as supportive as any network executive I've ever seen. And he's still been supportive since. Um, but it just, it, it was a time when it was time for us to move on. And going to Pursuit did a couple things. One, instead of us, we were spending so much time looking at short-term extensions with Pop and everything else and what we are going to do. It almost just became, let's just house it here for now. It's one of our own properties in Pursuit. Um, you know, we know it's short-term. And the other thing it allowed us to do 
which is the twofold part of it, was it allowed us to do the Twitch deal, which is something that, that was very important to us, was going out and continuing to build our digital platform. And with a conventional broadcaster, a little bit leery of saying, hey, we're going to simulcast our show that you're paying money for. Um, you know, online, you know, are you okay with that? So Pursuit, obviously, since we own it, we were okay with it. And we've now shown that it's something that can continue. Even as we move over here to Access, it doesn't hurt the broadcast component because the, the person who's consuming it by watching it digitally on Twitch is a different viewer than the person who's going to watch it on broadcast television. So uh, that was one of my next questions was how, is impo how important is the relationship for, between Impact and Twitch? Well, we think our relationships with all of our digital content providers is important. You look at it like an article just came out about YouTube, and we are far and away. Look, WWE is the 600-pound gorilla number one when it comes to everything. But when you look at the digital landscape, after WWE, we far outdistance any other wrestling company by such a large margin. Um, so we've continued to grow. We're an early adapter to digital content delivery, and we continue to push forward that. And whether it be our YouTube with billions of views and now approaching 3 million subscribers, whether it be Twitch and delivering our weekly uh, episodical television, you know, simulcasts on a platform like Twitch, or whether it be, and frankly, something that gets overlooked is our relationship with Pluto TV. And I think the acquisition of Pluto TV by Viacom is something that's kind of been overlooked as far as for its value in the industry. Like, Pluto TV is an amazing platform. Platform. It's another free platform that people can go out, and there's so much amazing content on there. Now, uh, will we see any uh, shorter commercial breaks or overruns or anything like that now that Anthem <laughs> is a majority holder in Access TV? Yeah, and I think, I think what's important is, and I've talked about it uh, throughout the day here uh, with various people, one of the great things about Anthem Sports is that... Uh, you know, it's got so many tentacles out in different directions. And from our leadership from Len Asper and Ed Nordholm on down is we know that different divisions have to be headed up by different people. And one of the things that was so appealing to myself and Don Callis was knowing that coming in, we were being handed the reins of Impact Wrestling. And we were going to be given the freedom to do what we thought needed to be done to make it successful. But also, and equally as important, we had the full support of Len and Ed on down. Um, so as we come here and as we interact with Access TV, it's important that we're all part of the same Anthem family now, but it's important. There's very good people at Access TV running this network, and it's important that we don't just come in here roughshod as Anthem Sports and tell them how to do their job, because just like me and Don didn't want to come in and run Impact Wrestling and have a television executive at Anthem tell us what we needed to do, we're not going to show up here and, and you know go to Access and say, this is what we're doing to the Access team, because they're very good at their job, and we've already established an amazing like collaborative approach. Will we look at overruns? Quite possibly. We did them even as recently as on pot. And uh, will we look at different things as far as for commercial breaks? Absolutely. Maybe we'll do. Uh, maybe we'll do. You know, thirty minutes commercial free. Maybe we'll do different things. We can. We can mix around and play for that. And as long as it's something that works for Access TV as the broadcaster, then it's something that we're going to explore. So, what do you feel Impact's biggest strengths are heading into its new Tuesday time slot? 
I think that something that has certainly been established over the last two years is that, you know, in, in wrestling for so long, the characters were at the forefront and the in-ring product was neglected. And then many years ago and over the course of time, we've now seen to where the in-ring product has became so very good. But at times there's been a, a, a lack of depth when it comes to character development and storytelling. And something we've tried to do in Impact Wrestling is tell dynamic, compelling storylines and try to tell them in different ways. We have some contests where it's, hey, athlete versus athlete, who's the best and who's going to come out with the championship? But then we do things like the Undead Realm, right? Where we take a whole different approach to storytelling. Or we take something like, you look at like what we're doing with Ace Austin right now. Here's a guy who, not even a year ago, was just a young high flyer that people are like, oh, he's a good wrestler. And we're trying to add some depth to the character and we're putting him in a compelling storyline with a great seasoned veteran like Eddie Edwards, who's as good as anybody. And Eddie's another guy. Eddie, for years, considered one of the very best professional wrestlers in the world, but the knock on him would be, well, where's the depth? Now, ever since the bat shot heard around the world, we've now taken a different approach with Eddie Edwards and added some depth to him. Now he gets to go in, in different areas where he never could have gone as the clean-cut, you know, you know, all-American babyface Eddie Edwards. Um, what do you think the biggest benefits are of having ownership in the television platform that your product is airing for? I think one of the biggest things as far as for Access TV and Impact Wrestling both being Anthem Sports properties is the fact that there's been a lot of instability um, with Impact Wrestling over, over the, the, in the pre-Anthem era. And since Anthems came in, I've had no questions about the stability of it. But the problem was, if you've been a fan of Impact Wrestling and you've been through all the ups and downs, it's hard to believe it. So I think now with this acquisition, people know Impact Wrestling's here and it's not going anywhere. Um, and while people on the inside, we were comfortable with that before, now I think a fan knows that they can, they can, they can get engaged and invested in the product knowing that it's here today, tomorrow, and for a long time into the future. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, um, a little bit of a fun one. Uh, how involved is Steve Harvey going to be in everything? <laughs> you know, that's one of the questions that comes up uh, all the time, uh, and I'm kind of excited to see. I mean, it's uh, certainly something that having a guy like Steve Harvey at the table, uh, he joined the Anthem board, which is great for us because he's such a well-respected guy with such a great track record for success. As far as we're concerned, he's welcome to come into the front row or the locker room or the creative room uh, if he wants to, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over time. Are there any impact talents that you greatly look forward working to uh, working with? Like Johnny Swinger was singing your praises like crazy just just a couple <laughs> minutes ago, uh, and and how you get everybody so fired up backstage. Yeah, I mean, look, I think what we've done, and 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 to me, there's there's a lot of days where I look at myself as the as the general manager of a sports team, right? Because we have such a great a great creative force of people that are part of the the creative process of this company, and I enjoy that process. But one of the things I like doing is going out there and looking and saying, okay, let's find the raw tools, the raw athletes that we can make to be key components of our show, and whether it's an Ace Austin like I talked about or whether it's Kira Hogan, who I came across Kira Hogan because other athletes were sending in their reels 
and there is a, a trend to it. People were sending their matches with Kira Hogan. So when somebody who's looking at showcasing themselves in the best possible light goes, you know what, my best match was with Kira. And then another woman sits there and goes, you know what, my best match was with Kira. And then another one goes, well, my best. And they start going, okay, wait a second. If these people, who I know when these people send in reels, because I've done it, they're overanalyzing this on where they look the best. And if they think that they look the best against Kira, you start going, oh, that's interesting. Then you start watching and you start seeing what an athlete that Kira was. And you see that there's just, there's a quality to Kira when she walks into the room, she's not loud, she's not boisterous, but eyes turn to her. And then you just knew that if you combine the raw athletic skills and the wrestling um, with that type of dynamic person that there's got to be something there. So we knew we wanted her as part of the team. And we brought her in at a time and put her on television and a lot of other places would have put her in the corner of a training center. And, and we didn't do that. We, we wanted her out there as part of our team week in and week out. We knew there would be some growing pains. Um, but we also knew there was going to be a constant progression. Because in order to progress, the best way to do it is go out there and do it. And do it on the biggest platform possible. And then when you're done is to come back and have someone provide instant critical analysis and feedback on what you're doing and if you look at Kira Hogan now in the last six months whatever it's been she's just totally came out of her shell she's found herself both as a performer and as an individual uh, her wrestling is top-notch her character is getting really well-rounded and there's just now she's starting to just like hit her hit the ground running full speed and we're excited to have her for a long time to come as part of our product one last one from me. Uh, you were instrumental in training a lot of athletes crossing over to pro wrestling. Is there an athlete uh, that's not in the wrestling world that you have your eye on? <laughs> well, there's a lot of athletes uh, <laughs> that I'd love to see crossover. I think I think the biggest thing is, no matter how good an athlete is, there's something that uh, something like professional wrestling requires, any real uh, athletic endeavor requires, and that's uh, that's a passion. Um, and when that's there, like, like Moose is the perfect example because uh, I started working with Moose because Frank Trigg called me. I, had, I hadn't been around. I just kind of like was kind of lingering mainly outside of the business, had my little dojo where I worked with people a couple nights a week, and Trigg called me and said, hey, I got this guy, played in the NFL, he's an offensive tackle, you know, he wants to do wrestling, you know, can I send him up to you? And I was kind of like, I was in the car, and I was kind of like, ah, oh, damn it, I don't want to do this. Because I'm expecting this guy, he played seven years in the league, he's an old lineman, I'm expecting this big corn husker to come rolling in with a crappy attitude, and then, and, and he walks through the door, and he's like this, this big, massive, you know, individual, but in tremendous shape. Usually when NFL athletes are retired, a lot of times I'm concerned. They, like, let themselves go. This guy looks great. And uh, he's just such a, a good guy. And there was such a passion about pro wrestling. This is a guy who played professional football because it was his living. But the whole time he was doing it, he wanted to be a wrestler. So if you get the athletic skill and then you take a passion like that, that's where it's fun. Like, working with a guy like Moose is fun because he has all the athletic tools. But then on top of it, this is, a, this is what he's dreamed about since he was a little boy. So getting to be part of that process with guys like him. And then D'Angelo Williams was another one. You know, like so many 
I've worked with a lot of celebrities on getting them ready for, you know, one-offs. D'Angelo walked into the Can-Am Dojo with the attitude of, you know, man, this is going to be harder than any training camp I've ever been in. And we only had a handful of days. Like, we had, I think it was four days to get D'Angelo ready for that pay-per-view match a couple of years ago. And I, there's very few athletes in the world that could get ready in that time. And uh, because physically they just couldn't do it. He was a natural. But then the other thing was he showed up and we did three a days. And he did everything just like someone else. I actually had to stop him and say, no, you can't do any more of that. We need to focus on something else because he grasped so fast. So we're always open to looking at... Uh, looking at athletes out there to uh, get them involved because any type of crossover from sport to sport is great for us. And, uh, hey, if they're out there and they're watching this and they want to get into pro wrestling, they know where to find us. Thank you very much, Justin, for joining me for the news at the top of the day. Thank you to Impact Wrestling. Thank you to new Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion Sammy Callahan. Thank you to WWE Hall of Famer Rikishi. Thank you to Brian Wall for going out to the Impact Media event in L.A., getting that great interview with Scott Demore, And thank you all for tuning in. we got another big show lined up for tomorrow. The interviews are – we are 100% getting Savio Vega. You've also – we're going to have more Sammy Callahan. we got Brian Wall's pre-Bound for Glory interview with Sammy Callahan. We're going to uh, air tomorrow. And also, again, knock on wood, I'm supposed to be getting – I can maybe check my emails right now. Nope, still not the confirmation there, but I'm expecting it any minute now. Supposed to talk to Court Bauer here later today. And, of course, that uh, all of this, all of that uh, content, this show is going to air this Friday instead of Thursday. We're going to shift it back a day tomorrow afternoon. You're going to be able to hear the post-Crown Jewel show. Uh, that'll be over on our YouTube channel. That'll also be available in our podcast feed. Um, and, of course, if you want all the audio here from Wrestling Inc., go to Wrestling Inc. Audio over on iTunes. Five-star ratings, nice comments. Always appreciated. Uh, Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show today? Hit the follow button on Twitter. I'll talk to you there. Wonderful. And I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.